Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. And a very pleasant good evening to you and welcome to That Stute. It's a pleasure to have you joining us on the program tonight. I am Augustine Erskine at the console and Pastor David Murphy is here to answer your questions and to present tonight's topic. We'll be continuing our topic that we started last week on Spiritism. And just to remind you of some of the things that we touched Last week, on Spiritism, we looked at the definition, what Spiritism is all about, and we said it had to do with communicating with dead people, with the spirit of dead people, and they believe that spirit mediums are gifted to communicate such to the dead spirit, and they also could become like a medium to communicate truths. We also look at a short history on Spiritism. Started with the Fox Sisters in Hydefield, New York, about 1848. Also, we look at what is the appeal, the attraction of um, this movement. We also look at some of the names who are associated with the movement, some high-profile people who are associated with Spiritism. We also look at what are some of the phenomena that occurs at some of those events. We also touch on such of the things that happen, whether they are fake or real. And we ended last week on the topic, what are some of the the doctrinal beliefs of Spiritism. So we'll be continuing tonight, and let me say good evening to Pastor Murphy. Uh, Good evening, Brother Erskine, and good evening to those who may be listening tonight. Well, we are going to continue our topic on Spiritism, and as I said, um, we are going to start with the question, what are some of the doctrinal beliefs of those who practice this um, religion called Spiritism. So, Pastor Murphy, could you um, just tell us what they believe? Well, I think last week we began to look at uh, different categories. Uh, We looked at the fact what they believe about God, and uh, we discovered that they do not believe in a personal God. They believe in an impersonal God. They think more in terms of um, some kind of impersonal intelligence, whatever that means. And um, they would not embrace the Christian faith in connection with the Trinity. As a matter of fact, they think that the Trinity 
is really a pagan concept. Uh, so when you look at the cardinal biblical doctrines, and that's the way you evaluate any religion, by the way. You, you, you take the cardinal doctrines of the Bible. Uh, it doesn't matter what programs they're involved in, whether they're involved in social programs or health programs or uh, whatever programs you're in, because there are a lot of good things that these people are doing. And people say, but they're doing good things. But that's not the point. The point is, are they teaching truth? Are they falling in line with Scripture? Are they deceiving people? And because what's good, what, what, what good could there be of helping the body but not being able to, to uh, help the soul? Ultimately, we're talking about human destiny. And that's why it's so important for us to evaluate these different groups. And so we, we looked at that and we, um, we saw what they believed about the Bible. Uh, we also pointed out to you that in terms of the Scriptures, they think that uh, to consider the Bible as God's infallible word, as a divine revelation from God that is totally and absolutely uh, true and inerrant. They perceive that to be an error. They think the Bible is, is not uh, divine. It, it didn't come directly from God. Again, it's a human book. So on those two cardinal issues, the person of God, the nature of God, and the uh, belief about the Scripture, clearly they're, they're not teaching uh, that which is in harmony with the Bible. And then let's talk about their view on man. And I, I want to quote uh, their words directly so that people don't think we're misrepresenting what they teach on this subject. But uh, this is what they say about man's fall. Uh, this is written by a guy called G.C. Andre, the true light, uh, a spiritist. He said, we reject the conception of a fallen creature. By the fall, we understand the descent of the spirit into matter. Now, this is a travesty. And, and uh, this is in no way uh, harm, in harmony with Scripture. The Bible t uh, teaches us that man fell, and as a result, every one of us that is born in this world are born with a sinful nature. Theologians call that total depravity. Every aspect of our nature is permeated with sin. Uh, and so uh, they don't see the fall as the Bible teaches the fall. They don't think that man is a fallen creature. Uh, let me give you two other quotes. And they said that man is a spiritual being, evolved from lower forms of life up through the period of consciousness to the state of the higher moral and spiritual faculties which survive unaffected and uh, the, de the decomposition of the spirit of this physical body so here they're embracing not creation ex el nino out of nothing uh, they are holding to the evolutionary theory that man evolved from lower forms and that man evolved evolution actually created a consciousness in man. So evolution has produced this con not God. So how in the world something that is immaterial, impersonal, could create personality, which is a higher level, a higher category than that which is immaterial, remains a mystery. But again, uh, we're not here dealing with truth. We're here dealing with speculation. We're here dealing with uh, people who are uh, employing their fallen mind to come to understanding of what reality is. And when you go away from Scripture, go away from Revelation, you always end up in something that is quite, not only irrational, uh, but it might seem esoteric, and it might seem like an enigma, but in truth and fact, it is just a human delusionment. And I think this is true when it talks about man. So uh, their view of man is wrong. There's no fall. Man did not come from God. Uh, man came through the evolutionary process. And all of this is contrary uh, to Scripture. If we look at what they think about, what they teach about Christ, and again, this is one of the uh, standards by which you judge whether movement is uh, of Christ, whether it's um, something falling in line with the Bible. Uh, 
And uh, let me uh, quote again uh, what they t- teach about, about Christ. Um, they said, uh, it's an absurd idea that Jesus was more divine than any other man. So this is the denial of the deity of Christ and the divinity. And I don't need to tell you that in the book of First John, one of the standards by which you judge whether a movement is of Antichrist or God is what they teach about Christ, whether or not he's come in the flesh and he's, and he's come in the spirit. So to claim that Christ is not divine, that he's, uh, you know, that he's uh, just an ordinary man, this is the denial of the personality and the deity of Christ. They went on to say, uh, and this is Dr. Weiss, uh, a noted spiritist, he says, Christ was a medium and the reformer of, Judea, uh, uh, of, of Judaism. He is now an advanced spirit in the sixth sphere. So they put Christ on par with all of these so-called ascended masters, the, what they call the avatars. These are, these are um, beings who are supposed to reach um, the higher dimension and now are living in the spirit world. So Christ is just put on par with like uh, Buddha or like um, uh, Confucius. He's just on par with these higher spirit beings. So it's a denial, uh, again, of of the divinity of Christ, denial of the person of Christ. And of course, this is quite contrary uh, to the word. So when you look at the doctrinal beliefs in these areas, uh, clearly this is not a group that can be classified anyway, Christian. Uh, This is a group that is totally apostate, uh, belong to the occult system, but uh, has found such respect in certain circles, especially those within the middle and upper class group uh, who are looking for something beyond biblical revelation. I, uh, I don't know if you want me to go into other details, but uh, we could talk about the belief about the atonement. And uh, I think this in itself would give you a better understanding of how to view uh, the whole matter of man's redemption now, if man did not fall, of course, man does not need an atonement because atonement has to do with the vicarious sacrificial death of Christ where he died as a substitute for man so that man could be forgiven and pardoned. But if there's no fall, there's no need for atonement. And this is why they make these kind of a comments. And let me make a quotation here, several quotations. Uh, this is from A. Conan Doyle um, called The New Revelation. He said, Man can see no justice one can see no justice in a vicarious atonement, nor in a God who could be placated uh, by such a means. So as far as they're concerned, um, the suggestion that God needed to be atoned so that man could be pardoned, uh, as far as they're concerned, uh, that is not just for God even to punish his son uh, through the vicarious death of his son to redeem mankind. They also said uh, the whole doctrine of original sin, the fall, the vicarious atonement, the placation of the Almighty by blood, all this is abhorrent to me. Uh, The spirit guides do not insist upon these aspects of religion. Again, this is Sir Conan Doyle that is making those kind of statements. So what they're basically saying that the spirits that they communicate with in in the underworld, uh, they imagine contact with the dead. Uh, which we said is the impersonation by demonic powers, none of those spirits that they are being in contact with ever suggest that there was anything called atonement or the fall or redemption. 
uh, and this should be an alarm uh, set of red lights really flashing that you're dealing uh, in a realm that is totally anti-scriptural, anti-biblical. Why would you embrace those kind of sentiments coming from the on the world rather than accept the plain teaching of scripture? So there's no place for the atonement as far as the, the, these uh, people are concerned who are involved in this kind of um, uh, spiritism. In terms of salvation, uh, how does a man, well, uh, how does a man, well, he, first of all, he really doesn't need saving because he's not saying he don't need an atonement. But this is what they say, and I'm quoting here from uh, the spiritual spirit teachings. Uh, they said, man is his own savior by merit that man lays up for himself uh, by a slow, laborious process. So as far as they're concerned, if there's any kind of redemption for man, any kind of salvation for man, it is something meritorious, something that man has to do. Uh, He has to save uh, himself. Uh, Another quote I can give you, taken from page 184 of Spiritism, it, it says that even the most degrading personality can in time attain to the greatest heights. It is easier, however, to begin progression on on in earth life each must work out his own salvation each has an equal opportunity to do his do this uh, when he shall have atoned for the wrongs and overcome the temptations and the allurements to the senses of gratification uh, on this life so basically you're talking about what is called auto salvation uh, and what we mean by that is that a man saves himself to his own effort, to his own effort, merits, and he must do that. He must atone for whatever sin he does down here in the sense that he, he pays whatever the consequences are. However, when he goes out in the other world, he still has time to progress and migrate. And as he make atonement for what he did in life, he will progress and progress and progress until eventually he will be absorbed into this universal spirit. This is the the concept uh, which is contrary to the Bible teaching on on salvation and and redemption. Uh, There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Man needs salvation because man is a fallen creature. And uh, only by putting their faith and trust in Christ can one be saved. Uh, Nobody is going to progress after this life uh, into any heaven by making remedial work in the spirit world. Uh, until he arrives at that that final level of progression where he becomes absorbed. The Bible teaches that this is the only time in this life uh, to get oneself ready for eternity. If we're not saved down here, there's no salvation uh, beyond this grave. There's nothing you can do. So our only opportunity we have to to get redemption and to be forgiven and pardoned is to receive the atoning death of Christ, put our faith and trust in Him so that we can be saved and and, and be redeemed. It's interesting as well, uh, brother, that what they say about uh, the devil. Uh, They say there's no devil and no evil spirits. All spirit people of wisdom know that there is no burning hell and no fearful devil. And then they made the statement, all the spirits in the other world are nothing else but the souls of those who have lived here. So the only spirit world that they know of are the human dead who have gone on 
after death. There's no other spirits besides the human spirit. And that is why they're convinced that when they're dealing with these spirits, they're dealing with people who have died. They don't believe in in, in angelic beings who have fallen. They don't believe in demons. They just believe that the only spirit world that there is is humanity and this greater spirit that created humanity. So there's no intermediary between man and God in terms of another form of spirit. But yet the Bible teaches clearly that you have three sets, three beings. You've got the divine being, which is God. You've got the angelic beings, and then you've got human beings. And it also makes it very clear that the angelic beings, a host of those who have fallen when Satan uh, rebelled against God. And today we've got what we call demonic powers who are fallen angelic beings. So by not taking a biblical understanding, the biblical truth, or not embracing biblical truth, uh, they are deceived uh, in their practice, not realizing that when they're dealing with these spirit beings in the uh, spirit world, uh, the infernal world, they're not dealing with human spirits because the human spirit is confined and the Bible makes it quite clear they can't pass from one place to the other. But these impersonating demons deceive them. But when you move away from biblical truth, you always fall to error. And uh, it's not surprising that this group find themselves uh, believing such deviant doctrine and these kind of practices are contrary to Scripture. So there's a, a, a world of deception uh, that is going on. I don't know if you had any other specific question. Uh, there are others that we could refer, refer to. Um, so I'm not too sure if I need to continue. On that um, issue there of um, there is no... Um evil spirit yeah. that um, we quote something here the fact that spiritualists deny the existence of Satan or demons give those evil spirits more freedom to work unobstructed among them and to convince many gullible souls that they are fine God. I think that's a, a statement that's very very real and very authentic and I think also very very practical and very relevant because if you do not believe in a, a, a spirit world that the Bible talks about, demonic powers, Satan, etc., uh, these spirits operate incognito. And you can believe that you're dealing with fallen human spirits or spirits in another world, but not recognizing you're dealing with demonic powers. I've said this in another program, uh, Brother Erskine, that all of these major uh, religious movements today that are advocating this higher consciousness uh, where you disengage your mind and you're supposed to go, go into another world where your mind, you've lost control of your mind. I have said this on, on another program that anytime you open the door of your mind uh, and you have no control of your mind, you're opening an avenue and a port so that the enemy can come in and uh, take possession and de- deceive you. And a lot of these um, Modern movements, these occultic movements, these uh, higher consciousness movements, uh, this TM and, uh, and um, the New Age movement, which we'll look at sometime, all of these modern movements that have gone away from Scripture and are talking about a higher consciousness, whether they know it or not, they are completely open not only to uh, spiritistic deception, but actually to be possessed and become mediumistic powers. Uh, uh, on planet Earth, so they've got to be very, very careful. This is not something you dilly dally in. That's why the scriptures again and again warns in Leviticus, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. It warns that this is a realm that the uh, God has put limitations and drawn a circle and said this is not an area that you need to engage in. And when you go beyond the restrictions of Scripture, 
you're entering the demonic world, and God warns you about that and says that it's good, you know, in the Old Testament, it was a capital offense for a person to be engaged in this kind of activity because of the forbidden realm that God doesn't want man to engage in. Okay, thank you very much, Pastor Murphy. And we'd just like to let our listeners know that you can also participate. You could join in the conversation by sending us a WhatsApp. And also, if you want to go live on the air, the line is open, so feel free to give us a call. Pastor Murphy, you were giving us some of the doctrinal beliefs of the Spiritism. And so we'd like you to continue. All right, let me uh, mention maybe three or four others. Um, let's take the, the biblical concept of miracles. Now, you can't read the New Testament and the Old Testament without understanding that there are acts, miraculous acts that are in Scripture recorded. And these are genuine, authentic acts of God. Uh, but this is what they say in connection with these miracles. Uh, this is a found on page 182 on Spiritism. Uh, mi- miracles mean something done in defiance of natural law. Therefore, there are no miracles. The demonstration you speak of can be manifested today by our sensitives, that is, mediums, uh, by the application of perfectly natural forces uh, when necessary conditions for such manifestations are provided. So here is a, a denial that there's any supernatural power that has been displayed or demonstrated, whether in the Old Testament, the Old Testament. And the reason why they find it difficult to accept miracles is because it's a violation of what is called natural law. Now, I don't know if you ever heard the term uni- uh, uh, uniform- uh, uniformitarianism. Basically, it's a belief that as a closed system that when God made the earth, he put laws in motion, and the universe is run according to those laws, and those laws cannot be violated. So the system is a closed system. Uh, so the law really uh, puts God in a straight jacket. Now, the biblical teaching is not this, that God intervenes within the system of law, and God operates on a higher principle and higher law. So a lot of these miracles are uh, higher laws in, in place that God used to bring about uh, supernatural acts. So here's the denial of the supernatural because they really don't believe in the supernatural. They really believe that basically, uh, as I said, evolutionary process created man to the point where man became conscious. Whatever brought about the evolutionary process is not a, a personal being. It's an impersonal force. Uh, so therefore, uh, uh, these acts that record in the Bible are, are, are contrary to natural law. Therefore, they cannot be believed. Uh, again, people that hold this position, uh, whether it be evolution or whether it be uh, the idea that miracles are a violation of natural law, therefore they cannot happen, uh, these are people that are not Christians. These are people that are uh, do not believe in a supernatural, personal God who is infinite and omniscient and, and omnipotent. Uh, and, and therefore, you're dealing here with an atheistic kind of the, uh, philosophy, uh, an atheistic kind of ideology. The other matter has to do with uh, their belief in what is called universalism. And what universalism is basically is that in the long term, everybody is going to eventually progress uh, to this 
ultimate stage of bliss where they're reunited with this uh, higher consciousness or this, this spirit being that uh, created uh, intelligent being. Let me read what they say uh, so you'll get the gist of um, how they put it. They said, every human soul born into life is a child of God, and the opportunity for development will at some time be realized and taken advantage of by each one. Spiritualism uh, proclaims the doorway of reformation is never closed against any soul here or hereafter. So if you didn't make it here, and you weren't uh, progressive enough to make it here, when you go into that spirit world, you'll be given another opportunity to progress in the spirit world until finally uh, we all get back into this original intelligence that brought about evolution and evolution that created man. So we're all headed back to this one, uh, this universal consciousness. This is what universalism is. The Bible teaches us that there's no mulligans no second chances. Now, when you're playing golf and you make a mistake, you're given a second chance to make another shot, but that shot doesn't count. But in terms of Scripture, you're either appointed unto man once to die and after this to judgment. Yeah, there's no second chance. There's no third chance. There's no fourth chance. But again, uh, this is not the only group that offers a second chance. The Mormons offer a second chance. The Jehovah's offer a second chance as well. So don't be surprised that a group like this is offering a second chance. Well, in saying that, yeah. are they implying that there is no hell? Yeah, there's no hell. That's, that's the point. I, I read to you um, a statement that was made uh, along that line uh, where they made the, the audacious statement that hell does not exist and there's no contact with any spirit in the afterworld that has indicated that a real hell exists. So we're all uh, going to be evolving, whether now or, or or later, the whole idea that there'll be full, complete recovery and we'll go back into this force that created man in the first case or ev- caused the evolution process. So the whole idea that uh, everybody was finally going to, um, if you want to use the word redeemed, everybody going back to where they started, and there's no fear, therefore, of any hell or any damnation, any torment, etc. That's the doctrine that is being advocated uh, by this group. What I would like to say, though, brother, is something they say about the church, which is, is, is very shocking. Um, and this is where the church is uh, is going to be challenged by this spiritistic group. Um, they said in spiritism, if spiritism is to live, Christianity must die. And you can understand why they would make that kind of a statement, because everything that they believe is contrary to the carnal principles and doctrines of Scripture. They cannot coexist because they're so uh, they're the very antithesis of each other. As a matter of fact, uh, that was their statement. So uh, mod- they said that modern spiritism has come to give the church a coup de grace, and coup de grace means a death blow. Uh, the, the whole aim of this is to destroy Christianity, destroy the church, uh, because the two cannot coexist because they're teaching the very opposite. But what Jesus said? Well, he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail. <laughs> so we, we don't have to fear the fact that the church will be exterminated. That will never happen. Uh, our Lord is safeguarding his church, and uh, he is leading his church to triumphant victory. But nonetheless, we must understand we're dealing here with a foe. This is an enemy. Uh, this is a group that 
uh, if they could hurt the church and destroy the church, they would do it. So we have to be on our guard in respect to these matters. Uh, one final point that, uh, as far as their beliefs in a doctrinal system that uh, should make the public uh, be alert to, uh, because, uh, and by the way, uh, spiritism is not very far from here in Antigua. When I was living in, in Villa, there was one person in uh, one of the houses there, I was told that a person was engaged in, in, in this kind of thing. And then when I was doing visiting uh, on the other side of the road near Fort Road, uh, I had a conversation with a, uh, an ex-pastor, and he made me aware that this thing is far more common than we think people dealing in, in black magic, uh, necromancy, uh, uh, and these, these forms of occult practices. So this is not something that is alien and contrary to the culture. It is something that is uh, part of the culture. So we are dealing with, with a matter that um, should concern everybody. One final thing about their beliefs has to do with the uh, view of marriage. And um, they do not support marriage as the Bible uh, presents it. Um, uh, this is what they said, and this is from uh, the founder of the Free Love uh, Society, a spiritist, in a letter. Uh, he said these words, All advanced spiritists, uh, though few, have the courage to confess, repudiate marriage in its legal sense, and believe in the doctrine of affinities, so basically, uh, they're not for marriage uh, where you make vows and make legal commitments. And J.M. Uh, Spear, another spiritist, I want to quote uh, what was said. He said, I will exercise that dearest of all rights, the right uh, to maternity, in the way which to me seemeth right. And no man, nor set of men, nor church, nor state, shall withhold uh, me from the realization of that purest of all inspirations inherent in every true woman, the right to beget myself, uh, when and by whom, and under such circumstances as to me seem to be fit and best. In other words, I, I can decide uh, I don't need to get married. I can decide when I want to have a child, and um, I don't need any regulation, anybody imposing any kind of a legal matter. So marriage really is up for grabs. It's not something that they would endorse. So when you look at, uh, Brother Ursula, when you look at this movement, and you look at their belief system, you look at the doctrines that they advocate, and how contrary they are to the carnal fundamental truths of Scripture, um, it becomes uh, patently clear that this is not a Christian group. This is not something that any professed believer should engage in. And I would say that uh, Antigua having a heritage of the Christian faith, uh, that nobody in Antigua should be involved in this kind of practices. Uh, these are all contrary to the mind of God, contrary to Scripture, and they will have serious repercussions in a person's life. But you were saying it is coming or it is here in Antigua. Yes, yeah, here. Uh, I can also mention, my. I remember my son uh, was in contact with um, someone on the Internet here in Antigua, and um, they were talking along the same spiritistic lines. And they were even talking about astral travel, uh, out-of-body experiences uh, that the, the family were having. 
And my son was trying to uh, tell that person, you know, this is, you're going into the danger zone. This is a zone that God has forbidden. But all of his argumentation uh, and back and forth within the Internet uh, could not persuade this person that these kind of forms of uh, spiritism were wrong. And this was a, a practicing f- uh, family within the Antiguan community. So this is not something that is alien to the culture. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I think I said in the introduction that spiritism is very ancient. And um, I don't have to say this, but when you had the transposition uh, of Africans coming from Africa, they brought a lot of spiritism with them because that is very, very, uh, a very large movement, even today in that part of the world. You can talk to any of the persons who have gone to the missionary team in um, Cameroon, uh, and they will tell you the experiences that they've had and the encounters they've had. It's a very real phenomenon in that part of the world. And uh, so some of it was transposed uh, here to the Caribbean as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's just something that keeps on living because it's a movement that is very ancient. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. You know, just over the weekend, I had a conversation with someone and they uh, reminded me that in Guyana, Obia is legalized. That's a form of spiritism. Yeah. I'll tell you something that shocked me. When I was um, in St. Vincent, uh, when I was there for year, five years as a pastor, um, there's a the Bible school there. There was a gentleman from uh, Guyana who had, um, was a student at the school. And he had become, he, had become, he was a Hindu. Uh, he was converted and uh, came to Christ and was now studying at the Bible school. I, I wouldn't give his name because I'm not too sure how far this broadcast goes, and uh, I don't want to embarrass people. But uh, I will never forget having a conversation with him uh, when he told me that um, when he was a boy, he used to worship the rivers, he used to worship the, the, uh, the trees. Because in Hinduism, there's a lot of, I forgot how many gods gods have got. They've got thousands of gods. But I was shocked that within the 21st, 20th century world, that we still had within the Caribbean people that would worship trees and worship rivers. And then when I went to Trinidad uh, several years ago, I saw all these flags in people's homes flying above. I thought, well, what country do they represent? Hmm. Then I discovered that every one of those flags was a representation of some kind of a Hindu god. It's shocking that in this 21st century world, uh, idolatry uh, is so common even within the context of the Caribbean. So this is this is not a novelty. This is something that's quite common. One other thing, when I was in um, St. Lucia, I pastored there for uh, 10 years. Uh, there was a gentleman that used to go between Martinique, uh, Guadeloupe, uh, Guyana, and I think it was Suriname. But his entire life was uh, doing practicing black magic and uh, witchcraft. That's how he made his, his money. And he had about three or four vans running on the road. So it's a quite a lucrative business, even within the context of the Caribbean. And I think um, in Haiti also, there's a lot oh, of that. Yeah, Haiti is, there's no doubt about Haiti uh, in, in terms of voodooism. Maybe we'll do a program on that. But uh, the, the power of some of these um, Hindu uh, priests 
and the practices. I think we're all familiar in the Caribbean what's going on in that part of the world. And it's very, very real. It's a very dark country. I wonder sometimes if all the economic turmoils and the floods and the storms and the country can't seem to get itself back together, I wonder if it's not linked with the fact that there's so much of this uh, voodooism practice. It's almost like a curse on a country. Um, that is just my view and my opinion on it, but I think everybody knows that there's a big movement of voodooism. In, um, and then there's something called Macumba in Brazil. It's quite similar to voodooism, but it's given a different name. Uh, uh, listen, whether we like the face or not, we're still living in a neo-paganistic society where a lot of these old practices that Christianity was able to um, virtually destroy are now resurging and people are now returning to these old ancient forms going back to these idolatry and occultism. Okay, just like to remind you that you could call us at 268-462-7420. That number will take you live on air if you have a question to Pastor Murphy or if you'd like to send us a WhatsApp. The number is 268 268- Seven eight two one four five four. As we are discussing spiritism tonight, and Pastor Murphy just giving us some of the beliefs of the movement. Now, Pastor Murphy, what is the purpose or the mission of spiritism? Well, their purpose is really linked to how they view their their movement and their group, and. Um, let me quote them so you'll get an idea of what they really believe about themselves. Uh, I'm quoting from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Spiritism is the greatest revelation the world has ever known. Uh, and this is what he also says. Spiritism is an outpouring of the spirit upon humanity, a divine revelation from the spheres of light. It's the highest message of truth which we have as yet grown to grasp and one whose depth, beauty, and might, uh, mighty significance, we still are imperfectly realized. So the, the whole idea is that this is the greatest thing that has ever happened, and they're now into a, a level of truth that is beyond even what the Christian church teaches, and this is a higher truth. As a matter of fact, they go on to say, and what is spiritism? They said, spiritism is the broad education, the great redeemer, the emancipator, which releases the human soul from bondage of superstition and ignorance, uh, lifts the clouds of error and that have so long enshrouded the world and illuminates the darkness of the world's materiality. You know, that song's, that's a mouthful, basically. But they see themselves as the light that humanity needs, that their movement will bring about redemption, and that their movement will remove all the scales of ignorance that uh, the material man finds themselves in. So basically, they think they're the movement to bring full enlightenment uh, to humanity. So their whole purpose is like a mission. We, 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 are, we are commanded to go and to uh, spread the gospel so that people will get saved. They have their motivation is to enlighten the world to remove the darkness and bring this truth that they have found so that humanity might be rescued from all religious superstition like what the church teaches. So they are just as aggressive evangelistically 
as we would be. And their motivation is different than ours. Ours is to redeem man by preaching the glad tidings of the gospel. Their motivation is to enlighten man to remove the ignorance that the Christian faith teaches. So once again, you see the, the, the antithesis of the movement, but it is just as evangelistic. And their gospel is a gospel of enlightenment. Our gospel is a gospel of redemption and salvation. So we're dealing here with two different concepts, two different gospels. But just like our goal is to win the world, to our belief system, they likewise want to win the world to their views on these matters. Um, it's interesting, uh, uh, Brother Erskine, that they are so arrogant that they have taken Christian songs and they have reworded Christian songs. Uh, let me use, you know, we sing that song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. In their services, they have services, we have services, but they don't read from the Bible, they read from their, their, their books. Listen how they sing this song, Just As I Am, how they've reworded it. Listen very carefully. Just as I am, without one plea, but that, O God, thou madest me. And that my life is found in thee, O God of love, I come, I come. Just as I am, not poor, not blind, not bound by chains in soul or mind. For all of thee within I find, O God of love, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, though dogmas I may not believe, nor heights of holiness achieve, O God of love, I come, I come. Now, this is, a, this is an amazing transposition of, of, of this song. This is, this is a, an abuse of this song. But notice, I come not poor and blind, uh, I came, come not in change of soul of mind. Uh, basically, I come to the God of love. And it goes on to say, Not in dogmas that I may believe, nor heights and holiness achieve. O God of love, I come. So the whole idea is that it's not about holiness. This spirit being, whatever they call it, this intelligent being that brought about man through the evolutionary process, is not concerned about righteousness and holiness. Notice the key word, love. Love. Uh, so this is a distortion. And the, the line there we talk about, thy blood was shed for me. Yeah, that's left out Only. completely mm -hmm. because there's no atonement, there's no, there's no sin, uh, there's no imperfection in man, there's no need for redemption, there's no need for the atonement, so therefore uh, the line is left out. But again, this is total uh, outrageous arrogance to, to take a biblical song like this that is sung in our churches and to abuse it in such a way and to misrepresent it and distort it in such a way to teach it very opposite of uh, what the Bible would teach. But you notice again that the, the whole idea is this God of love, God of love, God of love. So this intelligent, whatever it is, impersonal, remember. And again, it's hard when you're dealing with these kind of things because they talk about an impersonal God. They talk about a force, but yet they can't get it. How you can't get it with such words as love? Love is a, a relational word that has to do with persons. And whenever you get away from the definition of God, you end up in contradiction. So sometimes it doesn't make sense that they say one thing and then they have to turn around because you cannot in any way discuss God and, and man as a being, a personal being, without dealing with a personal creation. And an impersonal force cannot create a personal being. A personal being is of a higher level than an impersonal force. So you're putting man above the impersonal that uh, is supposed to have created man, which creates more confusion. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. We have just looked at the purpose and mission of Spiritism, but what does the Scripture have to say on this subject? <laughs> 
Well, I don't think um, there's any dispute as to God's position on this matter. Um, God has taken an immutable stance on this practice. And even though there's a temptation for people to want to peep into the uh, spirit world and penetrate into the unseen, um, this is what we refer to as the occult, uh, that which is hidden, that which is secret. And this is dealing with evil supernaturalism that uh, the Bible warns against. And I know there's a curiosity on some people's part uh, in this area, but again, this is a restricted area, and God has clearly spoken uh, on this matter. I think one of the best examples of God's position and his attitude towards um, spiritism and uh, mediums is found in the book of Acts. Uh, you remember the account that's given in Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 1 to 11, where the Apostle Paul had gone to Pathos, and while he was there, um, he is ministering to a deputy minister called uh, uh, Paulus, and there's a gentleman there by the name of Bar-Jesus, Elymas the Sorcerer, who attempts to frustrate Paul's witnessing uh, um, to Sergius Paulus, who is the deputy, or what you may call the um, um, minister. He, um, when Paul was preaching, uh, he tried to pull away Sergius Paulus from the message of the gospel. The apostle Paul had discernment, and he was able to see that behind Elymas, uh, there was demonic powers. Remember that Elymas is called, um, in the particular passage, um, in, in chapter 13 of uh, Acts, um, he is described by several terms. Uh, Elymas is called a sorcerer in verse number 8. He said, by Elymas a sorcerer, uh, so his name was by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And we are told the Apostle Paul was able through the Holy Spirit to confront uh, Elymas. In in verse 6, he's described as a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. So he's got all these different titles, and he's supposed to be some influential medium. He meets the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is ministering the Word, and he's trying to distract uh, the person Paul is dealing with. And then Paul uh, confronted him. And I like the way Paul described him in his confrontation, very blunt, very brutal. He said that he was full of all subtlety. He was a child of the devil, the enemy of all righteousness. And uh, he said that he had perverted the right way of the Lord Excuse and he was smitten with blindness. He, he seemed like we have a caller. Yes, go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, it's my first time calling I know, but I'm a regular listener. Yes. I'm a Christian. I believe in one thing what we say. Uh-huh. Well, I came in a church and... It's a kind of Pentecostal, like, but it doesn't really bother me who's speaking tongue, whoever's speaking tongue, I don't bother me, but I know it takes, I have to preach the word of God, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. But there's something in Hebrew, I want you to explain to me, please, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, in Hebrews chapter 6, yeah, where the Bible talks about the uh, possible baby who in Christ, like, like Paul was talking to the Christians. Uh-huh, Hebrews chapter 6? Yes, Hebrews chapter 6, I believe, verse 2, two to go down. Uh-huh. And he, he was talking to them Christians, so... Uh, two to where? Where you want me to read? Want me to read it? Yeah. He said, Hebrews chapter six. Um, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on 
to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and had tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of the Lord and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and to put them into open shame. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And what's your question? Uh, what are you talking about? The, um, some pastors believe that, that the little baby won't say what we say when they're talking about if you want to say what we say, uh -huh. why do God Paul talking to, to Christians in the in Hebrew chapter 6? Yeah. So you see, how can, how can you be a taker of God? And Paul talking that kind of a way there to telling you, you you could be move away from God. So yeah. If one see what we see. Yeah. All that coming through. Yeah, but here's the problem you've got, right? You've got one passage, and you've got numerous other passages that teach something that seems to be contrary to this passage. For example, uh, Christ said, No man is able to pluck you out of my hand. Uh, Paul talks about uh, uh, eternal redemption via those that believe unto the redemption of the soul. The other passage of scripture, numerous other passages that uh, teach clearly that the believer is secure. So when you come to a passage like this, it seems to contradict those passages. You don't let a, a passage that is, uh, uh, how should I put it? You don't let one passage destroy or uh, in any way cancel out the teaching for, say, 10 or 15 other verses. This passage needs to be looked at and uh, see if there's any possible and uh, uh, where you can actually synchronize this along with the other biblical teachings and those passages teach that the believer is eternally secure. So I'm teaching from Romans chapter 5 um, in my church. And if you read Romans chapter 5, uh, already Paul has given about, uh, I think we've covered about six different reasons why the believer is secure. Because from chapter number 5 to chapter number 8, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the doctrine of eternal security. In chapters 1 to 4, he talks about the believer's justification. And then having explained the believer is justified, now in chapters uh, 5, going to 8, Paul is now explaining why the believer is secure because he's justified. And Paul gives one reason after another. So what I would like to do, I, I don't want to just brush over this passage, honestly. I'm not trying to avoid answering your question either. Yeah. What I would like to do is to, what if I deal with this passage next week? Would that satisfy you? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, I would prefer to deal with it next week because I, I'm familiar with the passage. I've dealt with it before, but I would like to have a lot more of the material that I can give you directly than just simply rushing through it to try to prove a point. And this is a passage that needs some clarification if we're going to get to an understanding of what this passage really teaches. All I would say to you is that when you come to a passage of Scripture, no matter what passage it is, you never allow one passage of Scripture to contradict the body of biblical truth, the general tenor of scripture, if that verse seemed to contradict the general tenor of scripture, you have to examine that passage very carefully and see if there's any possibility of an explanation that would help it to synchronize what the Bible teaches generally. So this would seem to be a verse that is teaching that the believer can be saved and, and not and be saved and lost. I agree with you, that's a verse that seemed to be teaching that. But uh, let me deal with it next week for you. And I promise you, I will give you the best answer I can on this matter, because I am one person that believes in eternal security as well, okay? okay. I, um, I, look, the Bible says that we are not only justified, the Bible says that we are also going to be glorified. 
And if you read Ephesians, it said that we are already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the believer, for the time a believer is justified, uh, if you read the, the, the progressive steps that Paul talks about in Romans, Paul lists about five steps, just uh, believe, justify, and it goes down the line, and then he goes glorified. All of that relates to the believer. If God justifies you, he's going to glorify you. He that's begun a good work, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So when you come to a passage of Scripture like this, which seem to teach something contrary, you need to examine it much more carefully, understand the background to what the text is about, understand the context, and believe you me, there's a, a, an answer that um, is reasonable, that can fit into the general tenor of Scripture that believe is secure. But give me a chance next week. I'll promise you I'll deal with this passage next week as part of the, as a program, as a matter of fact. Would that be okay with you? Okay, thank you, Mr. Mufi, and continue doing the good work. And may I say one thing to you, sir? I appreciate the fact that you you know the church, but let me just say this: whether it be a Baptist church or Methodist church or Pentecostal church or Lutheran church, my simple counsel to most people is is very simple: find out what the Bible teaches on a subject. If that subject is eternal security, that subject is tongues. It doesn't matter. See what the Bible teaches on the subject, and see if what is being followed. If that pattern is being followed by what the Bible says, for example, if somebody is, if you've got tongues in your church, the Bible tells you exactly how this is supposed to be done. Two or three in order, and there must be an interpreter. If there's any church you go to, whether a Baptist church, a Lutheran church, a Catholic church, it doesn't matter. And if they're practicing this form and they're not following the biblical guidelines that are given in Corinthians chapter 14, it is contrary to the Word, and therefore it cannot be of the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God would not lead somebody contrary to the Word. If the Holy Spirit gave us the book, He used man to give us what He wants to teach us. We cannot be violating the very book that He gave us and then pin it on Him. So I'm just saying to you is, exercise your discernment as a, a person who is born again. Let the Word be your guide, and make sure that the Church... Uh, follows what the Bible teaches on the matter, especially when there's such clarity on an issue like this. Uh, we need not to be dilly-dallying what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very, very clear on with this is practice, this is how it's supposed to be practiced. Now, we don't practice tongues, okay, in our church. Know, but if we did, if we did, it would have to be according to Scripture. It could not be a violation of Scripture because it would not then be of God because the Spirit of God gave us His Word. Does that make sense? Yes, may, may okay. not, may not like to practice I used to be Well, sit down and talk to your pastor and say, listen, Pastor, look, uh, you know, look let's look, at, look, let's look at the Scriptures, see what the Bible teaches on this matter. You want to do tongues in your church, but look what the Bible says, two or three at one time and in order, and then there must be an interpreter. So we're doing something that is contrary to Scripture. Any pastor that really follows the Scripture for, you know, pastors make mistakes. But a pastor should also be willing to listen to those in the congregation who may have discernment and is able to show them that, listen, and, and by the way, don't do it in public. Go to him in private and have a serious chat with him and say, Pastor, I'm concerned about this practice because we've got biblical guidelines that we're not following. Then see how he responds to the matter. Uh, if he's a man of a humble heart and a man that really wants to follow Scripture, uh, he will do something about it if it is contrary to Scripture. Okay. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Appreciate that. Thank you very much, Pastor Murphy. Thanks, caller. Okay, let's continue. And remember, if you have a question and you want to send us a text or WhatsApp, the number is 268-782-1454. 
The WhatsApp number again is 268-782-1454. Or if you would like to go live on the air, it's 268-462-7420. That's 268-462-7420. Pastor Murphy, we were looking at what uh, uh, what the scripture has to say about um, spiritism. And you were talking about Acts chapter 13. Yeah, my point was that uh, when the Apostle Paul confronted Elymas the sorcerer because he's trying to disrupt Paul's attempt to evangelize Sergius Paulus, uh, Paul uses some very strong words. Uh, and he remembers the Holy Spirit that uh, pointed out to Paul that this man was uh, demonized in some way. And Paul called him, said he was full of all subtlety. And that word subtle is the same word as used in the book of Genesis, which says Satan was the more, the serpent was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. Paul says, uh, full of mischief, and uh, a child of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness. And uh, he was perverting the way of the Lord, the right way of the Lord, and Paul smote him with blindness. So, so clearly, uh, this is God's position. Uh, the Apostle Paul is God's man evangelizing the pagan world. And uh, you've got this medium. Um, Elymas the sorcerer who is purported to be some person able to uh, do miraculous things but yeah, he's trying to clash with the Apostle Paul to prevent the conversion of Sergius and when Sergius Paulus saw that Paul was able to smite this man with blindness through the power of the Holy Spirit the Bible says that he believed uh, so that particular miracle was used to bring Sergius Paulus to faith but notice that um, clearly uh, God's position on this matter uh, is illustrated in this incident, this this uh, story here that's given in the book of Acts, that this is contrary to God's mind, contrary to God's will, and uh, therefore uh, God judges it in the case of uh, this sorcerer. And um, so clearly, uh, this is not something a believer should get engaged in, a church should get engaged in, a believer, uh, a Christian should ever um, practice and get himself involved with any movement of this nature. Okay, that's um, Acts chapter 13. Yeah, Acts chapter 13, verses but, 1 to 11. Would you like to come on, comment on the one in Acts chapter 8 with Simon, the sorcerer? Uh, Acts chapter 8. Uh, you want to read it while I find it here in the Bible? I don't have my Bible okay, here. Okay, let me just see if I can but read it. It's when... Um, the evangelist Philip went down to Samaria uh-huh. and he was preaching the gospel and folks oh, okay. were getting remember, saved. I remember the one when Simon believed. Uh-huh. Let me just read it for the audience here for just From a moment. From verse 9, probably. Okay. And it said, There was a certain man called Simon, which before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, um, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to them they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding, the miracles and signs that were done. But when the apostles which were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, 
that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And as yet he was not fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And uh, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hand the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast brought thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money, that thou have neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right with the Lord God. Uh, repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray if perhaps the thought of thine heart might be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of these things which I have spoken come upon me. Yeah, this is another incident of... Um, Sorcery, uh, where this person apparently has um, evil supernatural power, is able to wield uh, a measure of influence. And by the way, if you go to Cameroon, uh, you'll find that this is a quite a similarity that's going on even today in Cameroon. There are witch doctors that have tremendous power over the minds of the people and are able to do some miraculous feats so that the people uh, count out to them and bow to them, etc., etc. So there's no doubt that this guy had some kind of evil supernatural power and was able to use his influence through sorcery uh, to influence the people. Then he come into contact with the gospel. Uh, apparently, and the Bible says he believes, and uh, but it's very, very clear that this is not an authentic belief because as he sees the Apostle Paul lay the hand, the, the Apostle's not Paul, uh, Peter comes down and lays hands and the Holy Spirit is given, he now wants to purchase this gift uh, so that he has the power. And uh, Peter said, you have no lot, no part in this matter, and told him, look, you, you know, you repent if the evil of your heart can be forgiven. I see this as a, a, a person who makes a decision, but it's not an authentic conversion. Um, because the Bible uses the word believe, it doesn't mean that there's an authentic belief. There are a lot of people today who believe, but uh, it is just a head knowledge, an intellectual knowledge, nothing to do with the heart. I think this is one of the classic cases of a person who sees the power of the gospel once. He's a person who's been wielding power himself, evil supernatural power. Now he sees a higher power, and he's looking in terms of uh, power management, power control. So he now wants to purchase this power. So he becomes a person who believes, but his ultimate goal is not to submit to Jesus Christ. His ultimate goal is to get this superpower that these disciples demonstrate. Consequently, uh, he betrays the fact that his heart is not right because he wants to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what Christian you know that has been converted would talk about offering money to have the gift of the Holy Spirit? So this is a, a person who makes a profession of faith, but he's not a genuine convert. And Paul makes it very clear by telling he has no part in a lot in this matter. But again, this gives you an idea of how common it was when the apostles were doing evangelistic work in the first century world. It was a world of darkness and paganism and spiritism of all different forms. The mystery cults were also involved. Paul deals with some of that in the book of Colossians. So a lot of these uh, new movements, these movements that we're seeing today that we call new are actually the resurgence of all pagan customs, all ancestral worship, spiritism, etc., etc., Thank you, Pastor Murphy. We have a WhatsApp question here from Antigua. It states, Pastor, what are your views? What are your views on spirit guides and guardian angels? Well, they're guardian angels, but don't get involved in this spirit guide thing. Uh, uh, what 
these people are tapping into. Uh, they're talking about ascended masters. They're talking about avatars. They're talking about gurus. They're talking about spirit guides. Um, this lady, um, McLean, that wrote the book out on a, I think, out on a limb and dancing with the light. I think that's the title of two books. Uh, she talked about all of these weird experiences she's had out of body experiences and she had a she had a spirit guide that was informing her and teaching her a lot of this stuff about the spirit world uh, my point here is that you stay away from any idea of having a spirit guide the only guide that you need is the Holy Spirit and he will guide you through the word uh, you don't need to uh, go through some kind of a mystical experience to have some voice speak to you. God speaks to His Word, and God would use His Holy Spirit to bring the Word to your mind. So this is not something that a believer should engage in. Uh, this Spirit Guide movement is part of the New Age movement, and it's very, very prominent uh, today. We'll talk about that <coughs> not in the next bad class, the next if one after this one, because we'll deal with the one in Hebrews chapter number 6. But uh, this spirit guide thing is something you stay away from as a believer. This is not part of the Christian faith. It has never been, and uh, this is just a modern movement, but you're dealing here not with um, angelic beings, uh, good angelic beings. You're here dealing with fallen demonic beings that are misleading people and sending them down the wrong trail uh, because it's part of the strategy of the enemy to deceive and to seduce and lead people astray. You also mentioned about <coughs> guardian angels. Yeah, guardian angels, uh, that's the biblical principle. Um, you read that in um, Acts chapter, I think it's 12, when Peter was was in jail Isn't, and mm -hmm. his guardian angel released him. Uh, our Lord also made reference to the fact that the angels stand in the presence of God in regard to, to children. If you try to uh, betray a child or mislead a child, uh, the Lord mentions about that. There's no doubt about this that angelic ministry that we are so much unaware of because we live in a materialistic world. We're not in, in touch with the the, 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 uh, the invisible world. But there are angelic beings. And, and then Hebrews tells us that they're ministering spirits to those who will be heirs of eternal life. So there's no doubt that there's an angelic ministry to believers. But again, nowhere in Scripture are we ever told to turn to angelic beings for counsel or for advice. We're always told that we need to go to the Word of God. That is where we get our counsel. And that the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, to help the believer. So we don't worship angels. We don't turn to angelic beings for counsel. We turn to God, we turn to the Word, we turn to the Holy Spirit, we turn to Jesus Christ. And uh, that ministry of angelic beings, whether guardian angels, that is an invisible ministry that is outside our domain. We are told in Scripture it happens, and by faith we accept that involved in our salvation and our protection. But we don't look to angels for counsel or for guidance. We look to the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will guide us through the Word. But Pastor Murphy, yes. in your study... Uh, you study, you come across anything about this spiritism talking about angels? Well, I haven't heard so much about angels. I've heard about them calling them avatars, ascended masters, uh, great teachers. Uh, and, and what they're referring to, by the way, they're talking the great minds of the past, like Confucius, uh, Buddha, Christ, Muhammad. All of these are within that category. And then today, uh, Shirley MacLaine, in her book, Out on the Limb, uh, she gives a name of one of her um, 
spirit guides gave a specific name that guided her in uh, her world, her experiences spiritually, where she had out of body experiences. Uh, she records and documents how this spirit guided her. But don't forget too that in the book of uh, Corinthians, it talks about Satan uh, displaying himself as an angel of light. So, it, it don't, oh, by the way, uh, you remember when we were talking about the Mormons, that Moronian angel is supposed to pray to Joseph Smith. Uh, so, don't be deceived. There are evil supernatural uh, beings that pretend to be uh, uh, messengers of God. But we are warned against those kind of practices. And let me say to anybody who might be listening, any so-called encounter that you may have with the spirit world that leads you contrary to scripture or contradict scripture, mark it down. It's an evil spirit. It's a demonic being. It's not from God. Why I ask that question is that they seem to deal with the spirit of the dead where they communicate with. And if they don't believe in demonic spirit, mm -hmm. I don't think they would believe in um, angelic spirit also. Oh, okay. Well, you know, remember that this movement, spiritistic movement, that's, they, that falls into another category as well. I mean, they, when we begin to do um, the New Age movement, you'll find that there's a, a, an eclectic group of different movements, mind movement, higher conscious movements, occult movements. Um, all of them have come together to create this eclecticism, uh, this syncretistic religion. But the key thing here is that all of them are headed back to one way, all going back to this one that we're supposed to eventually reunite it. So even though they may have different concepts and different principles, they're all headed in the same direction, headed back to this oneness with this universal consciousness. But the deception is that uh, in spiritism is that they believe they're dealing with the departed spirits of humanity, when in truth and fact they're dealing with demonic powers that are impersonating individuals and they're being misled. Okay. You talk about some of those... Um associations with the um, New Age movement. But my question is, what are some of the organizations associated with the Spiritist movement? Right now, there are about 20 different Spiritistic uh, denominations, and the following is about a uh, half a million adherents who are involved in this, this kind of thing. For the audience, uh, just to mention two or three of these ones. Uh, the National Spiritistic Association of Churches. This was founded since 1893 and continues today. There's also the International General Assembly of Spiritists. And then there's the National Spiritual Alliance of the U.S. These are three of the major spearhead organizations that represent this group. So if you or know of anybody who's engaged in these activities or you've seen a, uh, advertising uh, along this line, you know that this is something that a Christian should not engage in. Even though they might use the word spiritual or spiritistic, don't be misled by the jargon. It's actually leading you into outer darkness. Pastor Murphy, what are some of um, the writings or some of those writings that we as Christians should be aware of? There are th three uh, books that I think you need to be conscious of. One is in the books by a guy called Andrew Jackson Davis. He wrote the book, The Principles of Nature, and he is one of the earliest modern spiritualists. 
and, and he has a lot to do with uh, hypnotism and um, and how he got messages from the spirit world. So anything by Andrew Jackson Davis, uh, be aware of that. And then the people probably heard about the Aquarius Gospel of Jesus Christ by Levi Dowling. That's another book that has to do with the promotion of spiritism. Uh, it's called the Aquarius Gospel. And then uh, Shirley MacLaine, um, Dancing with the Light, uh, Going Within. Uh, it's all in the in the plane. Those are three different books that she wrote. She, in particular, uh, it's a, a movie star, won some Academy Awards as well. Uh, she has been very, very, she's almost like the evangelist of the spiritistic movement, pushing this movement. And her writings have really created a resurgence in this movement. Uh, uh, so those are three main uh, persons and books that I would uh, say you need to be aware of. Uh, the Principle of Nature, The Aquarian Gospel of Jesus Christ, Dancing with the Light, uh, Going Within, and It's All in the Plain. Those are three books by uh, McLean. Those are some of the major books that um, you should be familiar with. You see them in the bookshelf, you see them in the bookstore. These are things that you avoid. You're not supposed to uh, dilly-dally in this area. By the way, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, uh, it talks about lying spirits. Uh, the Bible talks lying spirits. So uh, these people need to be aware that they're dealing with lying spirits who are deceiving them. But uh, so the scripture itself actually talks about these spirits that, that lie. So we ought to be armed with the body of biblical truth and that we are safeguard against us engaging in the occult practices of this nature. And I just thinking about what Paul said there in Second Timothy chapter four that in the last days you're gonna have Doctrine of doctrines of demons. Of demons. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Paul has a lot to say about that, both in First Timothy and Second Timothy. Peter has a lot to say that in Second Peter as well, that we are coming, and then our Lord in Matthew chapter twenty-four, uh, I think four different times, he says the characteristic of the end times is going to be deception. If it were possibly said, even the very elect would be deceived. So we need to understand that the, the, this is not a game. This is a strategy of the enemy, and his whole purpose is to deceive the whole world. And he's doing a fantastic job, and he's finding advocates in these people who think they're in contact with, with, with uh, some kind of a higher spirit being, but in actual fact being deceived by a greater spirit called the Infernal One, Satan himself. But the question is, in truth and in fact, can the dead influence the living? Well, if we accept uh, the teaching in, in Luke chapter 16, now remember that this is Christ himself telling us an idea what happens after death. And he makes it very, very clear, clear that the one cannot pass from the afterlife back into this life. So there's no way that the the dead individual can influence the living. As a matter of fact, I think it's in Isaiah or Ezekiel, I didn't take the verse, the Lord condemns the Jews for turning to the dead to ask advice rather than turn to the living God. He, he, he is almost appalled that uh, his people would turn to the dead for counsel than to the living God. And this is what the Spirit is saying. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly what is happening today. But again, there's no contact between the dead and the living, because the biblical teaching is that the person who, who dies is confined, and he has no transitional period between 
death back to earth. Uh, the Bible makes that very. So whatever these people are in contact with is not the human spirit. It's a demonic spirit impersonating the individual that they probably knew using their voice, etc. Thanks, Pastor Murphy. Okay, as we continue, as we are dealing with the topic tonight, Spiritism, you're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, broadcasting from Antigua. Pastor Murphy, we have a question here for you. Mm-hmm. States, what are some of the seemingly innocent ways that a person can get caught up in spiritism? Well, I, I think that um, people that use what's called the Ouija board, I think people are familiar with that. I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, I speak on the correction, but uh, that seemed to be an innocent pastime where it's uh, a, a thing that can answer, uh, movements that can answer questions. I remember some years ago, uh, children in the one of the secondary schools in Barbados were playing with this board, and uh, one of the children came down with all, became demonized, and I think the government eventually banned bringing those boards into Pastor the school. Pastor Murphy, we have an overseas call, so let's get to the caller, and then we'll come back to the question. Yes, sir. Oh, madam, you're listening? Yes. Good evening. Good evening, sir. I'm looking at a verse of scripture in Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29, which says, Go ahead. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our, our children. children forever. Yes. That they may do the the words of this law. Uh-huh. Your, your comment? I'm listening. Yes. Now, trying to find out things from from the future before it happens and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the secret thing belong to God. What, what God revealed to us in his word, that is what we're supposed to hold on to and not to try to find out from spiritistic. Yeah. You're very you're you're a very wise man, uh, in that respect. You're a very wise man. But the problem is that man is naturally a rebel unless he's converted. And he wants to know things that God has put restrictions on. And consequently he crosses the border that God has circumscribed and puts him into a realm where he becomes influenced and targeted by demonic powers. And that's why God has put this restriction but God has revealed to us what he has revealed, and if he has kept back a secret, especially in the spirit realm, man has no right delving into that area, and it's condemned again and again in the scripture. So you're right about that, and I appreciate that you've got the wisdom to understand that. I hope other people are as wise as you are. Now, um, I, as I tell you some time ago that I have a book, uh-huh. And it deals with out of the body experiences experience, yeah, yeah. and so on. Yeah. Now, in the book, he also says that there was a woman who had a business, and she was relying on the spirit of her dead husband uh-huh. to guide her in her business, and the business failed. So I said, what happens is that she de- dealt with a local spirit. Yeah. But what you have to do is to deal with international spirits, which are greater than the local spirits. 
you're, you're confusing me now. I just thought you were a man of wisdom. Now I'm wondering exactly where you're coming from because she should not be dealing in the spirit realm, period. She, that's right. That's okay. what I believe. She yeah. should not be dealing with it. Yeah. No, we have no, uh, sir, we have no right going beyond the bounds that God has set. As God said that we're not supposed to be engaged in these activities, uh, we need to count out to God and bow to God in humility. We may not understand all the reasoning that God... God doesn't have to explain everything to us. He's much wiser than we are. Our duty is to just submit to His authority in this domain. So no Christian should be involved in trying to reach any kind of spirits. What a Christian needs to do is to try to submit himself to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to be guided, but not to get any wisdom from any spirit as to guide work or to guide what decision-making they make on the stock market or whatever. All that is contrary to God's Word and contrary to God's will, and uh, we need to um, uh, not be engaged in those kind of activities. Now, these kind of powers are the powers which are going to rule the earth in the time of the Antichrist. Yeah. It says because they would have the, the great dragon. Correct, correct. And then the dragon giving his power and authority to the Antichrist yeah. according to Revelation 13. That's right. You're reading your scripture, so I can see your man of the word. Yes, so. Okay, caller, thanks for calling. All right. I appreciate Good that. Night. I appreciate it. Okay, okay. Good yeah. night. Pastor yeah. Murphy, uh -huh. we have a Facebook um, listener here sent a question. We're almost out of time. Uh -huh. said, a caller said that once save, always save. That cannot be right. If, if so, Judas is still saved. Your thoughts on that? Uh, am I on? Well, I'm not too sure. Um, I know that most uh, Pentecostals do not believe in eternal security. Uh, I am not too sure about um, all the other ghosts, but I do know that Pentecostals and maybe the New Testament church people as well do not embrace eternal security. I embrace eternal security, uh, and I would like the the person who sent in that question, I would like to be able to deal with this next uh, next program because I need to answer the gentleman's question in Hebrews chapter 6 where there's a passage that seems to indicate that a person can fall away from grace and be lost. So I need to deal with this. But uh, I would say to the person who sent in the, uh, the matter there as well, there are many, many scriptures that guarantee the believer's eternal security. Uh, Christ himself made it very, very clear that um, no man is able to pluck them out of our hands and he which has begun a good work in you will form it to the day of Jesus Christ. So there are a lot of passages that we will refer to. So just give me until uh, next week. That will be the program. We'll deal with eternal security and we'll deal with the whole question of uh, Hebrews chapter number 6. I hope you have the patience to wait. I'm not trying to avoid your question. I want to treat it in a more exhaustive way and I look forward to engaging with you next week. God willing. God bless you. Okay, thanks listeners. We do appreciate you being a part of the program tonight. Thank you for joining us for today's I do program. trust that you will join us next Holy week, Spirit God's willing, when we'll be back with another edition. To strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's true. Thanks for listening. 
Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.